0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich. And it is a pleasure to have you join us once again in episode 236 today, August 12th, 2021. We're going to be catching up with each other, as we have not done so in a while before going right into our topic of the day, which is the what if. Disney Plus show impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the detailed section below. Steve. How are you doing, Russ? I am splendid. How are you? Just fantabulous. Oh, good. I should say. You know, I can't remember everything that I've actually watched and played. I can just tell you about a few highlights, Russ. Actually, one. One. One in particular. Well, before you do, be sure to snuggle that subscribe button, maybe even tickle that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm. Continue, Steve, sorry. <laughs> well, um, normally I would have forgotten by now, but my like is still trapped. This guy over here. Anyhow <laughs> what I saw Russ was a quiet place 2. Oh. Did you ever see a place quiet two. place 1? I did. Did you like it? I I it actually was extremely intense. I was very impressed by yes. how uh, much of the edge of my mm. seat my entire person's was taking up. Steve. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to tell you that the second one is even better. Even better? I wouldn't say, like... I mean, it's just as, like, intense. Yeah. Probably a little bit more tense, but Is the story just as, like, original and cool and all that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not like the creatures are gone. Oh. I mean, it's still... I mean, it's a sequel, so, I mean, they're they're still kind of there, but, you know, the family knows how to deal with them. Without uh, going into spoilers, Without though, going into spoilers, Have they mutated or perhaps evolved beyond the incredible hearing skills. Wouldn't that be a spoiler? Well, now that you mention it, probably <sighs> so. <sighs> <sighs> Anyhow, glad I stopped that one. Up uh, breaks, yeah. uh, Quick, uh, get uh. the e-brake on that one. But, uh, uh, you know, I will say that that was a resounding maybe. That's where I'm going <laughs> to that, that, leave it. Right there, Stephen. Yeah, okay. Uh, You believe what you want to, Russ. Either way, you'll have to see it. Yes. So, uh, you're a big fan of the cinematography. I am a big fan of cinematography, framing, lighting. Yes, all very much fundamentals of good cinema. And this movie is no slouch to Uh, those random terms that I could probably not define. But it seems like he uh same same writer same um, yeah same same dude uh, oh, I anyway can't remember his name <laughs> sorry sorry it was <laughs> so good it's, I forgot it's, it's, <laughs> it's me not you <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, it seems like he films it in like a smaller cropped uh, like frame not like wide screen not like IMAX but like a shorter film smaller film <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so you're talking about like instead of like it being like IMAX film or like thirty-five millimeter, it's it looks more like eight millimeter or possibly yes. Eighteen millimeter? Possibly, yes. That I'm I'm guessing, but that's what it seems to me like it is. If I was to put my finger on something, <laughs> that might be Ooh. it. I like to get your input, Russ. But the uh the, the cinematography is is actually very good. There's a lot of very um well filmed shots, like very you know, just really nicely framed shots with the colors and the perspective and everything. I just, it's fantastic. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, and I like where this story goes. You know who's in it? I I know a couple people like Emily Blunt and. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm guessing uh, you're, <laughs> you're. I haven't seen it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that that's probably, probably be a big, wild stab. Uh, and I'd love to tell you who's in it, but I can't remember his name. But well, I wouldn't want to know anyway. Just I because know. I'll probably see it. What he's played in? <laughs> oh. uh, he uh, is the dude who played. He played. Uh, well, Scarecrow. Oh. I told you not to tell me. I it, oh, he's in the movie poster. I haven't really I really haven't seen the movie poster. Anyway. Probably, but I'm glad he's in it. Probably his best performance, Russ. Really? And I know that saying something. Really? He's very, very good. He's very good. Very good. So if you had to choose between the two films, which one did you like better? The second one. The second one? Yes. He said that without any hesitation. Did you see that, folks? No. See, the first one, it was, it was good. I'm like, man, I'm, that was awesome. I thought it was just like... That, that was it. That was just the first movie. That's all we're going to get. Yeah. And so then when we saw the previews for the second one, I thought that, okay, well, cool. I guess they're making a, a second one. I'm, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm down. By the end of this movie, I'm like, give me a third one. I'm ready. I want to watch it tomorrow. Like, it's that good. Well, and I think it's commercially doing well. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I've heard anything negative about it whatsoever. So your wish may just get granted, Steve. I'm telling you you got it's it's not it's it's intense but it's not gory yeah you know just like the first one sort yeah of. um but yeah no this this one it um watch it oh okay. definitely definitely watch it okay i highly recommend it well uh, i'm glad you yeah. saw it i'm glad you highly recommend it because that, that, that just adds fuel to my desire to see it fire it was funny i I, th- I think this only got really when well, no. I didn't get released only in theaters because I saw it. Like, it only came out like a couple months ago. Yeah, I think so. I don't know how I missed it. I was wanting to watch that like opening day. And I and it just kind of came and went. And then we just, wife and I were skipping through HBO Max and seeing what was there. We're like, A Quiet Place too. Like, that's on HBO Max? What, are you kidding me? Well, and I like, think... Yeah, let's watch it. I think when it came out, though, I, I don't recall what all was happening, but it, it strikes me as if that period had quite a bit of activity going on, whether it was like for like this show or other things that were getting released and whatnot. Like I knew it had released, mm. but I mean, even for myself being a fan, like I, I, I still haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. I still want to see it very much, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how that all plays out. Yeah. So that would say that would be the highlight. Mm. Um, we've been watching a bunch of other movies. We've been, um, Actually, no, we we watched... Oh, I can't remember. I think it's Get Hard with <laughs> Will Ferrell and uh, Kevin Hart. I remember their names. <laughs> huh? Um, but so, And that was actually pretty funny. Uh, pretty crass. Russ, don't watch that with the uh, first grader. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was pretty funny. That was good. And then we watched some uh, some older uh, Eddie Murphy movies. Oh, that's good. And I miss Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's a genius. Why has he not... Maybe he has, and I just haven't noticed. But where has he been? I believe he is enjoying the fruits of his hard labor over these many decades. I guess. Man, he's got some energy, though. He has a ton of energy. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Like, he, I mean, if he's doing impressions or what, or he's just acting like himself, like he's just beaming with. I don't know. (laughs) I could, I could never keep up with Eddie Murphy. He's a method actor for sure. Like if if I think about the various roles he has been in, his comedy has, has a, a, a wide spectrum of capability. Right. So, and it's really interesting too, to say that because if you watch him in some sort of interview, He's very like soft-spoken and chill, and, and very not loud. One eighty from right. the the characters that he portrays in the various films, along with his stand-up. He's, a, I mean, his stand-up is still pretty loud, but it's it's not nearly how he is in his, in his movies. But mm-hmm. anyhow, oh, we'll uh, flip it back over to you, Russ. Yes. Ah! Thank you. What have you been up to? Thank you very much. And I- five words or less. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to fail miserably at that. <laughs> well, I, that's uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> got two left. <laughs> I have actually a number of films that I have been looking forward to telling you about. Really, oh, really, really. The first one is the movie Old. Oh my gosh, you saw that movie? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really want to know actually how that is because after watching that preview, when we were yeah. looking at it, I was like, mm, this is going to toss up. So yes, do tell I'm all ears. So it's definitely old. It's yeah, definitely old. <laughs> yeah, Old, yes. No, I, I was going to say, there is strong inspiration that is clearly drawn from an Alfred Hitchcock movie, sure. which is no surprise because M night is known for, right. I think he's, he was he's even interviewed fan. several times where he talks about, yeah, I, I think Alfred Hitchcock is my right. hero and right. and so on and so forth. So this is no different. He definitely had the whole scene pretty much take place on the beach. I'm not going to go into spoilers because sure. it is still in theater. So I don't want to ruin it for anybody. And I, I will say, so both my wife and I thought that some of the premise was good. However, the the script writing, the dialogue, I think is the the weak link when it comes to like just the entire presentation. And so, and I can't, I don't want to go into it because I, I don't want to spoil anything, but... I think that at the end of the day, like there are certain parts that, that we were both talking about that were like, wow, that that one part was actually really well done. Like we start getting into the the movie. But then the very next scene, there would be issues again with either the acting or the the dialogue itself. And I think that's one of the things that's worth mentioning too is that I think we only recognized perhaps one actor out of the entire cast. like everybody else, We had never seen before, and I think that's a bit of a wild card as well because obviously when you have um, people who have done a number of films on their belt, they're a lot more dependable in terms of knowing what kind of performance you're going to get out of them. So it it wasn't a bad movie. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a good movie either, but it was okay. It was one of those films where it's like, yeah, you know, we didn't regret going to to, to see it, and honestly, it was nice to be able to go to the theater and just watch something. So there's that one, Steve. The other one is The Green Knight. Oh, you saw that one. I did. Did you see that here or in the theater? I saw it at the theater, actually. The eight. Yes, yes, indeed. I was very much wanting to return because I've, I just, it is so nice to be able to be back in the theater. It is the weirdest thing. Like life has not returned to normal, obviously, yet. Mm. But the very notion that the theater is once again open, Steve. And not many people are going to the theater. That's nice. It is nice. Like when I was going to both of these theaters, um, both these theaters, both of these movies, <laughs> um, the the seating was not full. It wasn't even close to full. I would say maybe it was half full. But quite honestly, it was probably more like 40% full, somewhere in that range. So for a film that just came out, and the same thing was with The Suicide Squad, because we went to the theater to see that as well, that we went to the, the largest screen room that they had, the XD theater, and even that was like maybe half full. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty interesting how that works, but it, it works out fine because that means I'm not sardined in with all the other fans who uh, want to see the movies and stuff. When it comes to The Green Knight, Steve... Yes. The Green Knight also was it was had a lot of potential. And unfortunately, the execution, in my opinion, fell a little flat because apparently the film is based off of a poem that was created long ago. And so they they decide to personify the poem by doing this film. And there were certain things like the cinematography. Like, for instance, you mentioned how much of a fan I am of cinematography. The cinematography in The Green Knight is downright gorgeous. Mm. It was Amazing! Did you ever see The Revenant? Yes, that's with um Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I saw that one. Okay, so you do you recall how a lot of the shots in that film it was it was it was a wide angle, pretty much. Like if you think about like the various shots that you see of the wilderness and that sort of thing, you could really like drink in the wildlife and the forests and that sort of thing, simply because they use more wide angle lenses, which was great because it just made you that much more immersed in that environment. The green knight does the same exact thing. They have um, this approach where you see this knight and he's trudging along on his adventurous journey and that sort of thing. And the sweeping vistas, I mean, both my wife and I were like, wow, this is, Really, it, it reminded us almost like one of those ancient paintings that you would see at a like an art gallery or museum that, you know, the artist has taken a lot of time sure. to create almost like a pattern of um, or make a pattern out of trees or of rock croppings or whatever. So it's like you're just looking at it and it's so busy, but it's not like overly busy, like in a bad way. However, it was a slow burn of a film. And unfortunately, that slow burn in my opinion, mm. snuffed itself out. Did the Green Knight say any poetry? No. No? No poetry. Mm. No. Well, that's disappointing. I might have uh, bumped it up. I have a point. <laughs> <laughs> there were moments where, like, obviously the knight, and again, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, sure, but rough. essentially the story takes place where, if you can think of who a knight is, what kind of social status a knight, it gets to enjoy this night had to go on a quest basically as a means to realize he had a lot of growing up to do. I'll just say that. And so there are certain instances where uh huh, it was cool to see these types of life lessons, and that sort of thing. But then there were other ones where I'm just like, yeah, but I'm not feeling that one so much. So... Anyway, I for one am glad that I went to go see both those films uh, without you. Okay, <laughs> at least he's honest. Well, just just because if I felt that way, I know for a fact, like you would just be like, "Why am I here?" Yeah, you, you would you would be looking at me with daggers, and be like, "I hate you. <laughs> Why did you subject me to this and make me buy you popcorn?" <laughs> You would be like, you'd have your tub of popcorn right there and I'd be be like watching the film and I'd just get this feeling like someone's glaring at me and I'd look over and you'd just be like. (laughs) Looking at me like just utter contempt. I'm out of milk duds. (laughs) I'm going to get angry in a minute. You owe me more milk duds. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Another thing I watched, Steve. Oh, there's more. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more. I watched the Val documentary. Ah, oh, yes. right. Have you seen it? No, anything? I have not. I've, I've, I've heard of it. I've seen it advertised. It's the Val Kilmer mm-hmm. uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. It shows a lot of his footage that... Uh, dude's, like, loving filming since he was a, a wee lad. Yes. And uh, so it's like him documenting his life as he was a young guy. And then probably a lot of backstage like footage of him behind like the movies that he was making, right? Or he starred in. I'm sure. that, that's pretty much the, the general gist of, of the documentary itself. I thought it was really well done. First of all, I highly recommend if you guys out there, if you like documentaries, I highly recommend watching the Val documentary. It It isn't, patronizing. And it's also, it's not filled with like, Oh, look how cool I am. Look at my life. I'm so awesome. And it's also not the other way of like, Oh, I had such a tortured life. You know, Sure, it was just very realistic and, and presented the material as is. And apparently Val Kilmer was and is this very prolific video recorder. I mean, he took that thing almost everywhere he went. It didn't matter if he was on a shoot Or if he was at a family function or if he was by himself or whatever, he just always brought a video camera, which I, I mean, I honestly think that's super cool because especially now that he's older, he has, I mean, he literally, I will say this in the documentary, he takes um, the viewer to this like warehouse storage room that he has. He literally has. Like shelves and shelves of VHS tapes and film and everything else. I mean, it, it is a lot. He has boxes upon boxes that he's pulling and it's all categorized and archived. I'm like, the guy was serious about this. (laughs) Seems like it. But I think too, furthermore, what's neat about it is so you get to peer a bit into his personal life when he was a kid growing up, like you were saying, and then you get to witness like how he was struggling as an actor to become an actor. And then you see him with his big break, which was essentially like Top Gun. Top Gun is what really put him on the map. And then after that, all of a sudden he started getting all these other jobs. And then, then it starts talking about more of the 2000s and 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 leading up to present day, where he has a battle with throat cancer. And so, are you familiar with with that whole situation about yeah. how like he basically lost his voice? Like, oh, he, yeah, it's good. Yeah, he has to like plug up a. He has a tube coming out of yeah, his throat yeah. and all that. So, um, to give you an idea, I, like there was a moment. There's, I'm not going to say what happens, but there there is something in the documentary where they reveal something and I actually got teary eyed. Um, and that's how much I found. I, like, I was actually surprised. I'm like, I don't know this guy. I don't know anything about, you know, I have no sure. close relationships with anybody who is in this documentary, but it was so well put together, edited and produced that, by that point, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm I'm literally I can feel my eyes welling up. That's crazy." So, you can see it on I believe it was Amazon Prime, is what I watched. I think it's on, on Amazon Prime, yeah. Without seeing it, I mean that it's a testament to um, of not quitting. I would say yes, because I I haven't I've seen the preview and that's been it. That that's all I've seen of it. But I it's on my watch list. But I mean, I don't have cancer. And I could probably say if I did have cancer, I would be asking for a breakfast in bed, right? And then like little like pictures to color, right? So sure. Val Kilmer's making a movie and he can't even speak, right? It, to speaking it for him is quite the task. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, but it just shows that, um, you know, if life knocks you down, that doesn't mean you quit. That means you still do something with what you have left. Right. Yeah, and- what I think is crazy too is how when you see him in present day, he's filled with energy. Sure. Like like he's he's just as as uh, mischievous and and filled with fun and and wanting to play jokes on people and that sort of thing. But it's such a contrast to how his voice sounds like when he's when he tries to speak and that sort of thing. It makes him seem a lot older than he actually is, and he's he really is filled to this day with just a lot of vigor and life and everything else. And he has his family, like he has his kids and stuff, and he's really helping to push them through their college uh, education and that sort of thing. And he's taken on art. Like you learn certain things, for instance, like um, he has a, a big love for New Mexico. So he bought a property way back uh, in New Mexico, and he he wears some of the stones that are unique to that state. Kind of, I can't remember. I'm so bad at knowing the names of of rocks and whatnot. But like <laughs> those, it was like those blue marble <laughs> stones. You're such a terrible geologist. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! I will have you know, I got a whopping C plus in <laughs> C plus plus, almost a B minus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, highly recommend you check that out as well as anyone else out there who enjoys a good documentary or is a fan of Val Kilmer because it was just, man, uh, I, I was I was very much inspired by that, which then led me to watch Heat. Ah, yeah. That's You've good. seen that's Heat, true. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's one of the best uh, gunplay films uh, out there. Yeah, for sure. Oh my goodness. Awesome. I think that film came out, I want to say, right around 1994, mm. if I'm not mistaken. 1994, 1995, somewhere around there. I'll like, have to double-check my dates on that. there. Was, yeah. Oh, oh, oh do you think 96? Wager. There? Could be 96. But anyway, oh, man, I haven't seen that film in years. De Niro's in that film, too. Oh, yeah. You have Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, you even have Tone Loke in there for a little bit. I mean, you you was have, he the cop? No, he was he had a small part. Um, he was the brother of this other guy who was running some shady businesses and stuff on the side and he had information on the one uh, bad dude who who like basically double crossed the the group. Right. And, had, and I guess they were like prisoner or prison in- inmates. I think is is what it was. And uh, so it it was really, really neat to see. And, and yeah. Oh, well, and uh, I think Ashley Judd, if I'm not mistaken, was in it as well. Okay. So... It's funny. That whole movie, I mean, you know, there's a lot of big-name actors in it. But I when I think of the movie Heat, I think of Val Kilmer and that and that scene in the middle where, where it's that gunfight in the middle of the city. That's, like, the go-to scene of oh, that movie. Oh, yeah. And that's all I remember is Val Kilmer and Heat. Yeah. Oh, Val... Val <laughs> Sounds kind of weird when you put it like that. <laughs> I'm coming like, in heat, man. Oh boy, <laughs> watching Val just puts me in heat. Wait, what? <laughs> like really? Yeah, it's kind of hot in here. <laughs> First, I'm crying, now I'm sweating. Ah, anyway. Really, really cool. Well, at some point, I think we're going to have to do like a proper joygasm episode that dedicates it to Heat because Heat is literally one of my, I would say, it's in the top 10 of all time best movies I've ever seen, period. Yeah. So good. Oh, that ending is so good too. I so was just about to say, it happened at the... Yeah. <laughs> Remember that part when... <gasps> <laughs> yeah. One last thing, Steve. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Uno Mas. Uno Moss. I have some good news. I have some good news, Steve. I thought this was all good news, but... Apparently, well, you know, well it's, news it's, that's a good point, Steve. It's, uh, hmm. it's we'll all good news. Where's the bad news? This was bad news, and then it turned into good news, Steve. Okay. I got Microsoft Flight Simulator to work. Oh! <laughs> I was going to mention that. I got a beef <laughs> with Microsoft. I've been waiting for that game to come out ever since I saw it on E3, like... what, two, three years ago? Yeah, you've been really much... You were the one who was initially, Uh, like, all on fire to play it. And then we're like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Oh, Microsoft Flight And we're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then I go, huh? it's not available on Game Pass, but I can find it on my Xbox. And I'm trying to download the thing. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm, I'm not happy right now. And then I had to Google, oh, yeah. It's like the next-gen title yeah. for Microsoft only. Like, okay, yeah, the other family of Xbox games where it's kind of available for... but Yeah, no, not this one. Yeah. It's just for the next generation. I'm like, you've got <laughs> to be kidding me. You you just need... Man, you got to upgrade. You've got to find a, some way to get an Xbox Series X so you oh can enjoy that title. I will say that as we're talking about this particular game, I'm going to, probably going to put up some sort of overlay on here so that everyone can take a look at this because I have a feeling I was not the only person who had this issue. But having said that, the so the game itself is huge. I want to say it's probably like 140 to 147 gigs. I mean, it's a big baby. It's a big, it's a big boy. Yeah, you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll download it. And then go to bed. Yeah. That's pretty much what you have to do now. So I ran into some issues where I downloaded the game and I put it, to, I assigned it to my external hard drive uh, because I have like, I think it's like an eight terabyte external no. hard drive. And my internal, I think is like already at like 70 oh. some odd percent yeah, full. For sure. So it didn't have enough space. So I was like, okay, well I'll just put it on there. No big deal, whatever. Well, I'm unable to play the game when it's fully ready to go. And I'm thinking, what on earth? And so I'm, I'm literally like clicking on the button. Uh, you know you know how like you look at the Xbox dashboard and it has like those those little cards, those little game cards. You go, oh, I want to play that one. So you click on it, it goes, boom. And then like usually sure. you see the, the splash screen comes up as sure. it loads. No splash screen, no loading screen, nothing like that. It's literally just boom and it just stays there. I'm thinking, <clears throat> that's not good. What the heck is going on with that? So I got in touch with Xbox support through Twitter which, by the way, Twitter is a good resource I I have found. To complain. (laughs) Yes. But I didn't realize that actually Microsoft has set up a very proactive group on Twitter. So if you have any kind of Xbox issues or game-related issues, that sort of thing, you can contact. You you just look up Xbox support on Twitter, and they will get back to you and reach out to you and that sort of thing. So that's what I ended up doing was I, I explained the situation and let me tell you, it was a process mm. of elimination. So, like, they they were giving me a couple of, of different types of um, instructions as as to how we could try and get this resolved. They weren't working. And so then they gave me this big old long step-by-step list. And on this list, I mean, it was like go through, like, like delete all local, like, saved games and um, sign yourself out and reset the console multiple times in these different capacities under settings and, like, going through this whole thing where, like, I literally had to basically erase my profile on Xbox and then reassign it. Um, And when I was done with all these different steps, and again, I'm paraphrasing, which is why I'm saying I'll, I'll have an overlay that is on the screen, like, as I'm talking about this. But when it comes to the final step, so I did everything that they asked me to do, and and they were really good about saying, okay, reply to us, let us know if this works or not. And they did that every single time when we had this kind of back and forth. I realized that when that was all said and done, I tried to execute the game, tried to launch it. And a a, um, message appeared on the screen that said, this game cannot be played while installed on an external hard drive. It must be on a Xbox internal hard drive in order for the game to launch. Oh, that would be very handy to know up front. (laughs) And honestly, I don't even know if they knew that out at, at Xbox support. I, I have no idea like like what the deal is. But I have a feeling that game has had, I think, a bit of some issues, not major issues, but just some issues coming out where it's just it has not been a seamless transition of like, oh, we're going gold and here it is, enjoy the game, that sort of thing. Well, I guess it's good I'll wait. <laughs> so as to not be frustrated. I think that's probably a good idea. You know where you are in the game. You are waiting to get through security. You haven't even boarded the plane yet, even to fly it, Russ. (laughs) That's where you are. I've just made it through the security (laughs) checkpoint. I've been... You've got your pat down. uh, I had my... hat. carrying anything into your plane that you're going to pilot. I've had my anal probe... (laughs) They've rifled through all my personal private belongings. I need to, uh, I need to check this. They've yeah. <laughs> they've given me unnecessary uh, stink eyes. I don't even know why. I'm a nice guy. I don't know what's happening, but I survived. Now I'm getting into my flight chair, my first class seat. <laughs> oh, man. So I played it a little bit today, and... I flew over two locations. The first one is I flew uh, over San Francisco. I knew it. Which was so much fun, I got to say. San Francisco was it was super cool. I flew over the Bay Bridge, the Dumbarton Bridge, and the Golden Gate Bridge, and it is very, very cool. Like, one of the things that I thought was also really nice was they have this music that starts out, like, as you're flying, and it kind of reminds me of that one ride at California Adventure. I don't even know if they even still have it, because it's been for freaking ever since I've been to California Adventure. But they have a ride called Soarin' Over California. Have you been on that ride? Russ. <laughs> yeah, Steve. I haven't even explored that area. I, the last time I was at, like, Disneyland was probably... 1995? <laughs> Yeah. Oh dude, it probably was. I think the last time you were at Disneyland was nineteen ninety-five. That, that was when we got kicked off the carousel. Yeah, we Disneyland. got kicked off the carousel. That was the last time. I think in my my heart of hearts, I believe I'm I'm banned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a fun memory to have. That was a sure. great time. It was it was a fantastic I mean, time. It was, it was a highlight. It was a wonderful romp through. I, I haven't been since. And um so everyone starts talking, oh, California Venture. I'm like, sounds great. Very cool. I mean, you that must mean that you have not been to a Disney park in, what, 26 years? Well, Ross, I'm not very good at math. But <laughs> I, If I was to do fast math, I uh, have to agree. About 26 years. Yeah, sure. I think it's either 25 or 26, like somewhere in that vicinity. Man, yeah. that is a long... I thought... It had been a long time for me since the last time I had been to a Disney park. And for me, the last time I was at Disney park was 2003. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, when all things are considered, Oof. you think of 1995 versus 2003. Well, you know, it's uh, I'm only about, what is that? Uh, <laughs> carry the <laughs> one. Or, <laughs> what is that, like eight years later? So, Yeah. I I think we're overdue for a little Disneyland adventure Mm. action. However, they have a ride called Soaring Over California. It's really cool. I don't know if it still exists, so you may be out of luck, unfortunately. (laughs) But they have this, it it is kind of like one of those simulation type rides where you get in the seat, but then they actually like take you off the ground. Like you're in these chairs and they lift you like I don't even know how high up off the ground. And and the entire dome thing is like a, a screen and you are literally soaring over California, like different parts of California. Back to the game, though. I but, have a, I, let me ask you real quick oh, about sure. the game. So when you're flying, um, forgive me, I mean, this might be a dumb question, but, I mean, is it pretty quick? Like, you know, you take off and you fly, and then all of a sudden, like, two minutes, you're in San Francisco, or do you, like, take off from San Francisco so you're, like, already there? And then, because I've heard, like, somebody was flying to Asia, like, I don't know, Japan yeah. or something, and they're like, yeah, so this flight's going to be 13 hours, so uh, I'm just going to speed this up. and like... I mean, that's kind of cool and kind of not cool at the same time. So the game has a lot of different options, which I appreciate. I really like that. So you can be instantly already in the air, which I believe they call it like discovery flights or something like that. But they have like certain cities or landmarks throughout the world that you can choose. And so like, for instance, like San Francisco is one of them. And that's what I did because I didn't know really how involved the, the takeoff process was going to be. And so I did that and it was great because then I got to fly. I mean, I, I flew over like where the tunnel is that, that takes you into Marin County. Sure. And it was crazy to see it from the top view because that's the tunnel that we always hold our breaths when we go through. <laughs> and then I see Sausalito and I see Marin and then going further um, northward, I saw uh, Nevado. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make it too much past that because then my wife came in and she's like, Sh- "Show me Mount Tam where where you proposed." I'm like, oh, "Okay." So the whole flight's like, what "Were you flying a seven forty seven or were you?" No, it was just one of those single prop engine oh. type of planes. Nice and i don't even know if there is an option in the discovery mode like discovery flight or whatever i think they just kind of plop you in or no. whatever kind of thing you going but again that that is just one mode like you it's it's honestly the ui is a little similar to forza where you have all those different cards laid out in a ui and you can choose like oh i want to take off from the ground which i did the second time i played it i was actually taking off from dallas fort worth airport and so I'm on the tarmac and I'm trying to figure out like how to get the plane to like take off. And, and again, like if you want it to be super realistic, you can have all of the stuff go to manual and there's no assistance whatsoever. Or you can have some assistance. And, and that's what I did because I have no idea how to fly. So it was was it was really cool to be able to take off from the tarmac. And uh, then I flew over uh, our neighborhood, Steve. Before landing at a local airport, and I didn't know how to brake, and so I proceeded to go beyond the tarmac and uh, continued fly. Well, not flying, but I was literally driving it like a car before I realized, <coughs> oh, I was pressing the accelerator button, not the brake button. Oops. Can you fly Virgin, Russ? Fly Virgin. Oh, oh, is there man. a Virgin Airways available to you? I wish there was, Steve. That sucks. I wish it was. It's the topic of the day when high ho silver hooray! The what If Disney Plus Show Impressions. The first episode dropped yesterday as of this recording and we are very much looking forward to being able to go into spoiler territory immediately and give our thoughts on the film. Before we do though, Steve, spoiler I alert! I love me some... Uh, no, no, I already gave a spoiler. Spoiler warning. I just, you know, when I think about mm. high hoeing my silver, it's just it's great. You gotta have that slap. You gotta have that like, along with a horse neigh <laughs> yeah very nice very nice Steve very nice. I practiced that Russ did you I figured no practice was necessary mm. Steve what did you think of episode one of what if you know I enjoyed let, let me get this out of the way first Russ okay Steve my one criticism of them of the show is that's gone way too blisteringly fast I'm like Pumping the brakes through the whole thing, going slow down. Let's let's t- take it easy. Let's let's see a little bit more. Let's not go so fast. I mean, I think they might have been like, okay, we just want to show you what happens if if Captain Carter was Captain America mm-hmm. and not Steve Rogers. Which I get it; they don't want to rehash the entire movie and have it be an hour, hour and a half, whatever. Well, and it could be that the the show itself is episodic, where like perhaps episode two does not begin where episode one leaves off. Maybe, like, they go somewhere completely different. Like, remember that old show, Tales from the Crypt? Yes. I mean, obviously, like, that's more of, like, a horror type of genre than what this is. Not but even the same thing. Yet, not even the same thing. But in terms of it being episodic, like, if you recall, like, they had, like, just, it was story after story after story that didn't tie into each other. It was just these standalone episodes, and I have a feeling that's probably what they're doing. Well, I... Mm. But, I think they're going to progress into like other um of the Avengers movies because you're gonna see other heroes that jump in there, yeah. um, so I don't think it's gonna be like necessarily all like captain America, um Captain Carter sort of thing. I think this ended up being what Captain America was as a movie, but with with Agent Carter in there, Captain Carter. sure. so, um that being said though i mean i wanted to see i wanted them to slow it down i really want i was enjoying it i thought it was written very well i thought animation was was beautiful i was i was really enjoying myself uh watching it i always was wanting them to pump the brakes i thought it was going way too fast and then when it was up i'm like okay fine i mean i i liked it but i want to see more of this one show before we continue but that was my only criticism i i um I always liked Agent Carter, yeah, in the first captain America and um I mean a- after we we see that, we barely ever see her again and i I wanted to see her more in a movie. I wanted uh, I, I was hoping she would pop back up in the in the multiverse. so um i I like it. I did cool. Yeah, let's talk about the art animation. The art animation I was really impressed with. I was I wasn't sure what to expect necessarily. I knew it was going to be animated. I just I really didn't see anything leading up to I mean I think I think I saw maybe like a little clip on Instagram or something a couple days before it dropped, but I really love the style. It's got that it's 3d but they got that like 2d shader on top of it. really love how all the characters and scenes flow as they're go as they're moving and whatnot and I just I look forward to seeing more of those episodes. I, I'm always such a big fan of whenever there's some sort of like unique, direction when it comes to the performances of the characters in an animated fashion, as well as, as the visuals the visuals. And I mean, the whole show is like, man, this is, this is cool yeah. looking. Yeah. And then they add the all-star cast too. Like everybody, well, I mean, yeah the 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 person who voiced Steve Rogers wasn't um, no Evans Chris Evans but uh, you had a he, lot of other people who reprised the roles. Yeah, Stanley Tucci was in there too, I, and and I was actually looking forward to him. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I thought, okay, if his character doesn't die, that right. would be cool if he was in it longer. I just love Stanley Tucci. I don't know. I
1: just, oh, he's fantastic. I
0: love Stanley Tucci as well. Um, I, he's yeah. No, gotta love the Tucci. Yeah, but it, it, uh, you know what? I was wondering is if they had. All the actors do like re, re say their voice lines, or did they just use stuff from the movie and then put it in animation form? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Because I think because I looked it up on IMDb and Chadwick Bozeman is in it, and I I mean like he can't voice his lines. Yeah, clearly uh, then, then they're pulling from previously recorded right. material, and or that might have been just from him too. I mean. So maybe everybody else did some lines as well. The other thing, too, to keep in mind is that the voice lines were probably done before the animation started. Like, the animation takes a while. Like It's not just like, oh, I'm going to press a couple of buttons on the keyboard and it's done. Like, it takes a while. So I have a feeling those VOs were recorded several years ago before they started this whole thing. Having said that, I don't know if uh, Chadwick was still alive then or not. Right. Um, So... But no, I want. I have a number of different things I wanted to cover with you with regards to this first episode because they bring up quite a few different things. I'm going to look at my show notes real quick. The first thing I have on here is I want to talk about the concept of mixing up the characters and have them take on basically like, like each other's roles, right? So th- this was something that is no surprise. This is what, or I should say how, this particular show was advertised The whole notion of what if, what if certain characters were suddenly these other characters that we as an audience have been conditioned to come to, to just associate these, these different actors with these, these roles or these different characters as these different roles. So my question to you is, is is what did you think? Well, I guess we could start off with, uh, with agent Carter, you know, in the, the original MCU canon, agent Carter is. Um, an agent from from Britain who is, you know, basically um, Steve Rogers' main love interest. She's there when he goes into the machine and takes the serum and then um, becomes a super soldier. And now we see her actually go through due to like a series of, of, of events that transpired a bit differently. And now she has taken on the mantle of Captain Carter, leaving Steve Rogers as more of like a little shrimpy kid. What did you think of, of that particular sandbox idea role reversal I, kind of thing? Well, it's, it's, kind of, it's not exactly role reversal, but I, I view it as like, it's, it's, a, it's a creative sandbox and it's, I think that's what is really cool about the name of the show. Because we've all done that before. Even when we were younger and we were collecting comics, we would be sitting around like, oh man, what if sure. like so and so was this and this thing happened that caused the space-time continuum to get all screwed up and yada yada? I mean, that was one of the big things about even Back to the Future too was seeing the alternate nineteen eighty-five. Who didn't think that was like super fascinating? So what did you think of of Captain Carter? Um I, this might sound a little bit odd, but I mean, she she really fit what I guess I would like a strong female lead to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like Wonder Woman for example, in the first Wonder Woman, um, where she's strong, she's doing the right thing, but um, she's still a woman, mm-hmm. you know, and she still sees the good in people, like she saw the good in Steve Rogers, and I like that, and that they scripted her that way because um, we all want to see her kick butt. You know, we want to see her throw the shield around. We want to see her save the day. We want to see her, you know, beat up some Nazis. I mean, of course, that's what we're signing up for. Yeah. Um. But we also don't want her to abandon the character that we saw from Captain America either. Mm-hmm. And so they tied it very well um, into that uh, this new you know Captain America is no female Captain America. And so I was completely down for it, and I I, I kind of liked seeing Steve Rogers as um. The shrimpy kid, but still have the big heart that you have he the had. warrior spirit, have yeah. the warrior spirit, and uh, try to do what he could to participate in the war, to, you know, fight for his country and do his part, I guess, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was completely down with it. Um, I will say though, uh, if I transition from, from Agent Carter just for a, a, a second, I was a little bit, it was a kind of a toss up when uh, Stark made like a Primitive Iron Man suit for him, or a primitive war machine. I was like, mm, the Hydra I don't stomp- know. stamper or yeah, stomper. The Hy- Hydra stomper? Yeah, Hydra stomper. Yeah, exactly. I thought, okay, I can kind of see it, but maybe a little bit too soon, possibly, you know? What do you mean too soon? Because I mean, that kind of takes a little bit of the, the steam from Iron Man away. Even though, even though it's still stark. Well, okay. The, so my takeaway from that was that the suit was not an Iron Man suit. That suit reminded me more of Iron Monger, which was the, the bad suit. If you recall in the, in the first Iron Man movie, when Tony Stark is fighting his boss, he is essentially able to Frankenstein up a different version based off some of the, the leftover blueprints and stuff that Tony made while he was in the cave. And it became almost like the, like this, this Iron Monger thing. I don't know that with a hundred percent certainty, it could very well be, maybe it was the initial Iron Man suit that Tony Stark made in the caves. I, I just, I need to look at do like a side-by-side comparison of the silhouettes of, of both of those machines, because I don't know. I I could, I, I could waffle back yeah. or, or, or forth on, on that for sure. But you, you say you didn't care for him actually well, uh, going into that, that type of uh role. It's, you know, I, it's a it's a double edged sword because yes I thought it was cool because we saw Steve Rogers participate in a way he knew how I yeah. mean he's not going to be able to hold a rifle for very long because he's not strong he's 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 weak and so that means he's either going to have to like sit behind a desk and do something or he's going to have to pilot something right mm-hmm. and so I mean it kind of makes sense that this would be the, you know the thing for him but it just reminded me of Iron Man which he's not Iron Man. You know, well, and I think that this is going to be a reoccurring thing. I know what you're saying, and I have, to a certain degree, that type of response as well. Where I'm, I'm looking at a particular character, and again, I'm so conditioned. Like if I see like any kind of like Iron Man looking suit, I just automatically think that's Tony Stark. And I think that's, what's fun about the show is that it literally just places that whole notion on in its ear. And suddenly I'm like, her, what the wait, that's the what? And, and <laughs> but I, th- I think it's, it's, it's a healthy exercise in a way because by the end of the episode, I don't know how you felt about, um, seeing Steve Rogers in that suit. But by the end of the episode, I was starting to become more comfortable seeing him in that type of, of scenario. In fact, as an aside, one of my favorite shots from the show was when Captain Carter jumps onto the back of the suit as he takes off from like the the hanger. Yeah. That was a really cool visual. I, I dig that a lot when it comes to, Captain Carter's suit. I thought the suit looked awesome. Yeah, she was, it looked perfect on her. Um, And and you know what? I think, I'm not sure it would have been as good either if this was like a full fledged, you know, film, right? Like not, not CG. You know, I think this had to be uh, CG in a way because of the way that they wanted to tell the story. And I think it's, it's perfect the way they did it. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's just my two cents. Well, and I agree. I think that it's, it's a very unique approach to be able to have again, with the MCU, we have yet to see this type of approach with regards to high production value animations. And there have been like certain cartoons and that sort of thing that have existed in the past. I mean, like we've all seen like the Spider-Man show from uh, the 90s or like the X-Men show. But I mean, they have certain things like that, but but that's not like under the the supervision and helm of Kevin Feige with the MCU support. I mean, one of the things that I did not have time for that I wish I did was I wanted to find out who actually created the animations because I have no idea if they did that in-house. Like if they literally hired a bunch of artists and animators in, within uh, Marvel entertainment and said, okay, we have this really cool series. We want you to focus on this. Or if they outsourced it to some sort of <laughs> amazing vendor, I, I, yeah. I will, I think the next time we talk about it, I, I should have that, that information, but now, going over to Peggy and Steve's romance. Yes! Okay. So, this is one of the things that I have... I, there's, like, a little fly in the ointment for me for this. I want to know if you feel the same way. Okay. When I think of the original Captain America, the first Avenger live-action movie, uh-huh. you see Steve Rogers meet Peggy Carter and... You know, they're being friendly and cordial and diplomatic and stuff like that. But it's not until Steve Rogers um, re emerges from <laughs> the, the contraption. Being voluptuous. Look, looking insanely swole. Ripped that I think that's when the attraction for agent Carter came into play. Because if if you even even recall, like, I mean, she's like looking at him, she's, she's marveling at his physique and she literally tries to like, she's about to like caress his pectoral boob. And she's (laughs) like, she holds back. She's like, Oh, what am I doing? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. (laughs) But before that happened, I, I mean, arguably i would i would say there that that the relationship was purely platonic there wasn't any kind of romantic interest necessarily i could totally be wrong i I will need to to re-watch that movie and see if there was any indications but really I, i think it was more platonic because she saw him for who he was which i mean he was like this little shrimpy guy he had I don't know if he necessarily had physical ailments, but he was a fragile dude. She respected his warrior spirit, but it was interesting how they continued to play up the romantic side of things in this cartoon. What'd you think? Yeah, they did. Um, I'm trying to remember back to uh, the first Captain America. And I, I think I remember seeing it more with him than her. With her, it, it she did show him. It was be, restrained. Yeah, it was it, yes. It, it was w- there, but it was restrained. Like 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 the, the, the proper British word well, don't want to be uh, too far out there. Could you, do Steve. <laughs> I didn't even understand <laughs> what that was. I'm like the proper I'm like the proper British word is I'm word for it. When you can't think of a word, just mumble your way through it. <laughs> yes, of course. predictions <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's brilliant. Say it again. <laughs> so, yeah, restrained, I would say, would be definitely on her part because she was showing him a lot more attention than any other dude. I mean, Sebastian's, you know, Bucky. Yeah, <laughs> Sebastian Bucky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bucky was you know, thinking that she was some pretty hot stuff and she wasn't even paying attention to him whatsoever. I mean, she paid more attention to Steve than Bucky, but she wasn't necessarily romantic to him. She was like, you know, uh, winking at him and whatnot and like holding his hand. I think I remember him asking her like, you know, about the, about going out and dancing. He was kind of charming her a bit. Sure. But yeah, it wasn't until he was Mr. Big Buff and rough and stuff uh, that she was kind of coming on to him a little bit stronger. But I think it was interesting to end this to, to have her show more of that affection Absolutely. to him. Um it makes for good storytelling. It's yeah. an endearing quality that she has to be able to look upon him and realize that there there is so much more than just the physicality of things, like like basically who he is as a man, what his convictions are, to want to serve, to do his civic duty. Those types of things um, are very noble. And with her background, I think that that is something that, that she didn't find attractive. And it's refreshing to see that, too, because it, so often in movies, it's like the, the insta-worthy model female goes for the insta-worthy male model. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's like this power couple always hooking up in, in Hollywood, you know, but you never really see these other attractive qualities or, or someone being attracted to that. So it, to me, it was it was definitely refreshing. I didn't mind it whatsoever. And I I like that old school romance, you know, just, it just that, that subtleness, the, the whining and dining, you know, I, I, they don't have to be all over each other. Um, but you know, the attractions there, there's chemistry. I, I, I dig that. So another thing that I wanted to touch upon that was more of another, another critique really was in the fight scenes themselves. So when you see Peggy doing her thing as captain Carter, first of all, the animations, are fantastic. I, I really did enjoy seeing that from a technical and artistic standpoint. However, I I got to thinking about it and I feel as as though she was a bit OP'd. Yeah. I mean she was like stopping a 1940s military convoy truck and flipping it over herself Hulk style. Right. When like if 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 memory serves, like I mean I'm I'm going through kind of my my mental mind of all the different battles that uh, Steve Rogers has been in as Captain America. I think the closest thing that I can think of is like I maybe in Avengers: Age of Ultron. I think maybe he tossed a motorcycle at an oncoming military convoy truck, like troop carrying truck or something like that. But I I, I don't think he did anything remotely close to that. Right. Like, maybe you can think of him during the scene, I think it's in winters. it's either in Winter Soldier or it's in Civil War. I can't remember which one it is, but he's holding on to that helicopter for a minute. Like, remember how the helicopter's trying to take sure. off? He's holding on to the, this is the landing pad and he's doing, it's like that, that perfect uh, opportunity to like show off the biceps. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he couldn't hold on to that either. It was Someone not like take he could. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and then I started thinking more. of... It's so funny. I went down like this analytical rabbit hole. But one of the things I, that also came to mind as I was thinking about that is I thought about the Black Widow movie and how one of the criticisms I had of that film was that scene that I'm not going to talk about because it's still in theaters. But there is a particular. I mean, well, actually, it's not even a particular scene, but like throughout the film. We never see Black Widow get bruised or or blemished or otherwise, you know, visibly injured in any way, shape, or form. And the same thing happened with Captain Carter, where like every type of physical engagement that she had, it was just her taking care of business. There wasn't really any kind of sense of threat. But if I compare that to once again, Captain America and all the different Marvel movies he's been in, yeah, like, he'd be able to handle his own against various soldiers and stuff, but there was still a struggle. There there, there were still certain punches that landed on his face or on his body or whatever, and especially when he was fighting someone who was perhaps closer to being a physical equal to him. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were trading blows straight up and there were, there were instances where you would see like blood on his face or bruised and bloody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was curious to, to get your opinion on that. If, if you noticed that, if that took anything away for you in terms of the dread or the sense of threat, that sort of thing. I mean, granted it is an animation. It is a cartoon. Right. And if I'm being perfectly fair, like they're the only thing that comes to mind from the cartoon was when the tentacles were coming out from the dimensional portal they did slam her up against the wall one time and they slammed her against the ground and that's that's about all i can think of true i mean i was thinking a little bit of that too it didn't necessarily take away that much from me and i think it was because it was an animation i mean People were getting shot too, you know, multiple times. You know, the the the, the that minister gets shot just like he does in, in, you know, the Avengers. And I mean, they're not showing blood there either. And people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so with that, I mean, it would, be, it would do one thing if people were getting shot and they were showing, you know, blood and guts and you know, dying, uh, and then that they showed her with no blemish whatsoever. But I mean, they didn't, they didn't do it for either anybody. So, and honestly, hearing you talk about it, they may have intentionally decided to veer away from that just because kids might be interested in checking sure. out the show. I mean, I, I didn't even check to see what what the rating is on it. But. Yeah. So, I mean, but I will agree that I mean she she definitely was OP, but it was great imagination. I mean, I had fun with it. Oh, for sure. So I mean, I I think later on, if you know, the she meets up with the Hulk, which may or may not happen, who knows yet? It's only been episode one. But uh You know, it'd be interesting to see how parallel you know she'll be with the Hulk. If she's pretty close, I am gonna be like, yeah, that's gonna lose a point for me. But um, otherwise, for this episode, I mean, it definitely. I mean, for me, it worked. I thought it was fun. No, no, it it, it definitely was a lot of fun. I think the the reason why I get a little hung up on that is I am starting to see a pattern where if you have a female protagonist who very much likes to to get rough and tumble and go to fisticuffs. They do so with basically invincibility. I mean, we saw the same thing in Star Wars with Rey, where like the actress no. is amazing, yeah. the character archetype is amazing, but in terms of the execution, it was like there there wasn't any challenge or tribulation. She had no vices. She had nothing that she had to work towards and learn and earn her way to do. It was just like, oh, this is what we <laughs> do. Okay, no, no, not a problem. And I think that takes away for for me personally the sense of payoff. We're like. Right. I, as an audience member, want to feel as though I have gone through this knockdown, dragged-out fight with this character. It doesn't matter if it's uh, male or female, but it it takes it away. It's it's literally like if I can think of it like in a game, video game ter- terms, it's like if I'm playing a Super Mario or Princess Peach and I've constantly got invincibility on as I'm running through the level. Well, then it kind of loses a bit of like. I don't know, accomplishment, I guess you could say, or, or or just like, there's no sense of danger. Yeah. But again, that is more of a, a smaller thing and an otherwise very entertaining show. Steve, could you please give us, um, your concluding thoughts thus far? Obviously there are many more episodes to come, but in terms of your impressions of the film, would you recommend, or film? I said film. Would you recommend the show to folks who have not seen it? I would definitely recommend it. Um, I would even go so far to say, Russ. <laughs> that so far, this is my favorite part of Marvel Phase 4. Really? That's what I'm going to go out there and say, Russ. Wow. I'm going to go out on that time branch and just kind of say that. Um... I will include in my concluding thoughts. One thing I I could not understand is that Captain Carter brought back the Tesseract or at least it, that's what it seemed like she brought it back, the Tesseract mm. and put it on the general's or the colonel's desk i remember that and he goes like oh was that thing radioactive i'm like oh wow she already got it okay cool and then you go fast forward to red skull and he's like okay here's we're gonna power this up the and it seemed like it was the same tesseract and it was it did seem like like, there were almost like two tesseracts didn't it yeah i'm like did i miss something and then i rewound it and kind of watched both scenes again and i still don't understand what happened yeah, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> Respond in the comments below if you know what happened. Fill me in. Yeah, definitely. If, <laughs> if, if, if you can can kind of clear the air on that one, we would definitely appreciate the comments. We, you know, and that's the thing. We, we love we love comments. We want comments. Anyhow, concluding thoughts. Uh, very well done so far with Disney. Um, very hard to find fault, uh, in my opinion. I'm um, having a lot of fun with it. Um, I will just say, for future episodes, I really hope they pump the brakes because it was moving way too fast. It was almost like breakneck speed fast, and I really wanted to enjoy more of it. I didn't want it to be over that quickly, which is kind of a compliment in a way, if you yeah. think of it that way. But um, no, I, I, I'm I glad Agent Carter is back on the screen. Um, I just, I just... I can't tell you enough how much I loved her and and the and the first Captain America. I really wanted her to come back and oh, she's back. Yeah, so. she's very popular. She's loved by all kinds of fans. Yeah, yeah. So I'm stoked. I personally could not really say it much better than what you've already said. I think that the the show itself is refreshing. I personally really love this platform of Disney plus in terms of what they have shown us so far, they've really been able to to take opportunities to be able to explore certain things that quite frankly have been conversations that fans have had after they've seen a number of the MCU films and, and wanting to fill in certain types of side story gaps and that sort of thing. But I really have been enjoying what they've been doing so far with like WandaVision, with Loki, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now we have What If, and there will be um, Hawkeye that's coming out later this year. So it's, it's definitely really, really cool because again, it's, it is a sandbox. I think Disney plus itself acts as a bit of a conduit to that sandbox. And then when, when looking at these various shows, and it, it's, I don't know, for, to me, it's fodder for the brain. It's like food for thought. I think, I think it's really fun to be able to examine these beloved characters in different ways and capacities and mediums. And I, I just, I, I, for one, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what what comes next you know like like and honestly i kind of hope that this is more of that episodic type of thing where like the next episode maybe we don't see captain carter at all or steve rogers maybe like they focus on doctor strange and black panther or who knows what i mean they have a huge roster of characters to play with yeah that wraps up this episode of joy gasm thanks for hanging out with us If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues helping us monetarily do what we love to do. Also, make sure you caress that subscribe button, maybe clang that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, do a search for Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our video game adventures live every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to seeing all of you again next week. See ya.